It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. And I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book Lighthouse Faith. I am actually recording the podcast at the NRB, the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. If you're hearing ambient noise, that's what it is. It's a very full event with a lot of uh, religious broadcasters here from all over the country and all over the world, really. So if you're hearing a lot of stuff behind me, that's what it is. But um, one of the things I want to talk about today, and this has to do with both guests today, um, what does it mean to be a good citizen? And then what does it mean to be a good biblical citizen? How are the two different, and really why are they different? Uh, Rick Green is called the American Constitution Coach and runs the Patriot Academy, where everyday people can learn how to live their lives founded on a biblical worldview. And that means understanding the Constitution and what it actually says. But more importantly, what the Bible says um, about your life. You see, the, the Founding Fathers believed the Constitution and this republic, called the United States of America, would only be successful if citizens actually believed in a sovereign God. Um, and Rick joins me now, but he also has a special guest with him. Who is your special guest? Oh, Lauren, I'm excited about this. <laughs> this is so cool. So first of all, you're so right. Biblical citizenship, absolutely necessary to save this country and keep freedom alive for future generations. And I couldn't think of a better guy to come alongside Patriot Academy and help teach that and teach the value of freedom and how you preserve it than Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, and we are thrilled to have him here. Colonel, good to have you, brother. It's good to be with both of you and finally get a chance to meet Lauren Green. I was going to say, um, Colonel, I have seen you on Fox for years. I've never met you in person until this day, and it's really an honor for me to meet you. And um, you look exactly the same, actually. Well, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, <laughs> but appreciate it. Thanks so much, Lauren. It took a green to introduce a green to... A West. Oh my goodness! Oh, that's what it, that's my what it, that's what it, Rick Green, yeah. that's right. We, yes. people can't see, so yes. we're not actually related. Well, we might be. Who we, knows? Who knows? You know. We might well, be. You are children of God. That's, that's right. right. That's, that's right. right. We're all children of God. Now, um, Colonel, I want to ask you: How did you get involved in the um, the uh, American Patriot? I well, I have uh, always been a part of what Rick has been doing. Uh, I think we first met about six or seven years ago when I spoke at one of his commencement at Patriot Academy graduations, and we have stayed in touch, and I've been doing some work for him with some homeschool uh, videos talking about history and civics. But uh, for him to lower his standards and allow <laughs> me to be a part of Patriot Academy as a national spokesperson and senior advisor really means a lot to me because we have got to get back to people understanding that biblical grounding for this great nation uh, and four generations of my family have fought on combat battlefields for this nation so it's so important that we get to back to realizing that this is a judeo-christian faith heritage nation and you know rick what does that mean when you say judeo-christian because i get a lot of pushback against that from a lot of people it's like you know what do you mean judeo-christian and what does that mean well if you go back to the founding era it was the atmosphere that the founders were breathing they they were studying the bible every year there was a deep deep heritage uh, of understanding that if you want to have a society that works well you got to follow god's rules and god's laws to to do that and so they they created this whole system uh, based on that even when you go to the constitution it's, it, itself you can take clause after clause after clause and trace it directly to the old testament directly to specific verses and that's not me tracing that that's the founders themselves 
themselves tracing it to that. So it was just a huge part of what they believed. In fact, you look at the University of Houston study, 10,000 writings of the founding fathers. They said, who were these guys quoting the most? And of course they quoted John Locke. Of course they quoted Blackstone and Montesquieu. Those were the top three individuals. But they quoted the Bible 34% of the time. So it just, it is the foundation of America. And of course it does not mean you have to be a Christian or you have to be Jewish you don't, to enjoy American freedom, but it does mean that it's the Judeo-Christian values that created that freedom mm-hmm. so that anybody of any faith or no faith can enjoy the results of that. But when they push the Judeo-Christian values out of the culture, they're going to lose the American culture itself. And we're going to move towards this secular uh, nation that will eventually lose its freedom. We're seeing that in the last two years because we lost the biblical foundations. We didn't recognize the proper role of government, and we allowed government to do things we would have never allowed it to do even 50 years ago, let alone 250 years ago. Give, give me some examples of what's been happening that has, that, that has taken us away from that Judeo-Christian foundation. Well, when you believe that government is created by God, and actually that our freedoms and our rights come from God to us, and then we loan power to government, when you understand that basic concept that's laid out in the Declaration of Independence, then you understand that there's a certain authority given to government, just like there's a certain authority given to the church, to the family. When you lose all of that and you just say, no, actually government's the source of everything, then there's then the, all the lines get blurred, and, and you don't have jurisdictional lines for government. If we still had jurisdictional lines for government, then when the president comes out and says, I'm going to issue a vaccine mandate on all employers in the United States, if you have 100 employers or or, or more, if you still understood jurisdictional lines, you'd say, wait a minute, does the federal government have authority to do that? Do they have jurisdiction to do that? Mm -hmm. Very few people asked that question when he came out and, and issued that edict. There was no law passed. There was no change in the Constitution to give him that power. But because we lost our Judeo-Christian values and the idea that God gives freedom to people and then people form government to protect that freedom, then we didn't recognize the jurisdiction of government. So that's a really long way to say, without Mm -hmm, the foundation, mm -hmm. without the philosophy, then the practical impact of government on our lives changes dramatically in a bad way. Yeah. Uh, Colonel, the idea that government is now kind of bigger than it was intended to be, mm-hmm. how do you fix that in a constitutional way? I mean, is it mm-hmm. is it the government's job now to rein in the government, or is it more the individuals have to it, be a part of that? It is the consent of the governor's job that's to right. do that, and that's why it's codified in the Declaration of Independence. And so when you look at an organization like the Patriot Academy, it is important that we get back to understanding our history, understanding our civics. You know, the natural rights theory, we should have that discussion about life, liberty, and property, which is what John Locke initially presented. And no other nation has been founded on the principle that your inalienable rights come from a creator God with a big G, not a government with a little g, but because we have lost that understanding ourselves, we're allowing edicts, orders, mandates, and decree to supplant the rule of law, which is based upon those governing principles that were established through the Bible and through the writings of John Locke and others. So I think it's an important time for us to get back to education. When you had uh, Terry McAuliffe, who stood up there on the debate stage and said, parents do not have the right to decide what their children are being taught. That is really a very dangerous premise because you go to the Bible in Proverbs 22, 6, and what does it say? Train up a child in the way that they should go, so when they grow old, they shall not depart from it. Parents have that right. Parents have that responsibility, but it's being usurped, and many other of our rights, freedoms, and liberties are being usurped. Think about after 9-11, everyone wanted to rush the church. Right, But two years ago, what was the very first thing the government sought to shut down? The churches. The churches. It's a very dangerous premise that we find ourselves in. You know, I want to get to more of the sort of aspect of, you know, the the culture, but 
perhaps this is part of the culture. Mm-hmm. The culture is changing, and one of the things we found out when the, during the shutdown is a lot of kids were homeschooled or doing online, and parents found out what yes. they were actually being ta- taught, yeah. and this sort of indoctrination. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you change that in within the school system? How do you how do you change things like this move towards? I mean, we're fighting now, you know, mm-hmm. CRT, we're fighting mm-hmm. the 1619 Project. How do you fight that? Well, educational freedom is the new civil rights issue. And I think that what happened was that, that was the only positive thing that came out of COVID was parents all of a sudden realized their indoctrination that was occurring. But now all of a sudden you have more people that are getting involved in school boards. That's the most important elected position in the country. It's not president, it's not senator, or what it's school board. Because you're training up the minds of the future generations. And when you go back and you look at the, the writings of, of Marx, who was the first person to talk about state control of education, you look at Lenin, Stalin, Hitler, Mao, they all talked about controlling the future by way of controlling the training of the, the young people. So we have got to once again reestablish that sense of educational freedom that parents can have all different uh, opportunities and uh, abilities to decide what is best for them. I'm a product of uh, educational freedom. My parents sent me to a small black Catholic school in the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia, instead of the two public schools, because it's so important that you get that solid foundation. And we gotta get back to teaching history and civics. And what Patriot Academy does is exactly that. And also, we need to get some adults that once again Mm -hmm. understand history and civics, because when people are handing down mandates, that's not law. You know, there's no federal law that says you have to wear a mask in an airport. That's just someone that's playing Pharaoh Ramses saying, so let it be written, so let it be done. We used to even do that with uh, with, with Schoolhouse Rocks, right? Schoolhouse Rocks. I always ABC. stop the TSA agent when he says, put the mask on. I say, why? And he says, because it's a law. And I say, wait a minute, do you know how a law is made? And I said, didn't you grow up on Schoolhouse Rocks? You remember, I'm a Bill yeah. from Capitol Hill. You know, you got <laughs> to pass the house. And I that I will, but today exactly. I'm still just a Bill. There it is. Yeah. See? And, and they don't. They don't even know, know know those basics. But, you know, I think the thing, the good news is that because of exactly what you're talking about, Lauren, when, when, when all those kids stayed home and parents saw on the screen what was happening, and then they started going to the school board meetings, they saw the disdain from the school board members and the way they looked down their nose at the parents. And then Terry McAuliffe gives us the gift of, of saying <laughs> oh that God. parents have no business uh, <laughs> with the upbringing of their children in, in education. It awoke a nation. And so the answer, I think, is that we have to change it. We have to yeah. change it both by demanding choice so that kids can get out of the you know out of the trap of bad schools and have the option of taking that, that money and going somewhere else. In fact, in Oklahoma, they're debating this week a very important uh, ESA bill, an uh, education savings account bill that will give that kind of choice. I hope they pass that. I hope every state will start doing that. But parents going and testifying at, at school boards, and frankly, parents getting their kids out of the government schools and going to homeschool and private school and looking for those other options, I think is essential. I think we can still improve the public school system as well, and that's why we're involved in helping with curriculum, not just for homeschoolers and mm-hmm. private schools, but public school as well. But it's got to be us. We cannot expect some knight in shining armor to, to ride in and solve all the problems. Right, right. We the people, we the parents mm-hmm. in the, at the local level. That's where it's at, fighting at the local level. And this biblical citizenship course you have, yeah. what is it like? How do you start this biblical citizenship course? Well, first good news is it's free. So we have wonderful <laughs> donors around the country that make that possible. Anybody can sign up. They can host the class in their home or at their church. You don't have to know anything about history or government or the law. You can learn with your friends and family. That's what it's really all about. You know, I'm 
technically I'm America's Constitution coach, but I'm no guru. I'm a citizen just like you. I learn in every class I teach, somebody stumps me with a question. And I always say, look, that's what how it should be. We ought to be sharpening each other's mm-hmm. uh, countenance, just like iron sharpens iron. And so I would say to anybody out there that would like to host a biblical citizenship class, do it. It's free. Go to patriotacademy.com, sign up. It can be online, or you can do it in your living room. You can do it at your church. We've got now 12,000 Constitution coaches across the country that are doing this, and it's super exciting to see. And we get to hear the testimonials all the time where they mm-hmm. talk about, wow, I realized for the first time in a long time I'm not alone. There's other people that care about these things. I realized America is actually a good nation. I looked at our history and in the context of the world, it's an amazing story. And then I realized the principles of liberty still work if we work them and I can do something about it. We hear that all the time, thousands and thousands of times over and over and over again. So it's easy to do and it's fun. It's not boring. You won't fall asleep in our classes like you do every other Constitution class on the planet. Uh, They're actually entertaining. And and I encourage people to do it. It's an eight-week course. It's one night a week for Mm -hmm. eight weeks. I'm going to take a break right now here on Lighthouse Faith Podcast, and we'll be back with uh, Colonel West and uh, Rick Green. We'll be right back. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. And we're now back um, with, on Lighthouse um, Faith Podcast with um, Rick Green. He is a Constitution coach, and Colonel West, of course, you know, is just a, a warrior and a warrior, a warrior. <laughs> a warrior yes, um, and Colonel, I, we were talking about and a Constitution before. umpire and a Constitution umpire. Okay, I call a ball, a ball, strike, yeah, yeah. Well, here you go. Here's one. What about the 1619 project? What How about insidious. that? That is absolutely insidious, and that's the fight that we have because the left is not just looking at revising history; they're looking at destroying history. They're looking at remaking history, and so all of a sudden, if you're telling us that America was founded in 1619, as a black man, I take offense to that because what's the story of Christmas addicts? You know, the free black man that died there in the Boston Massacre. You're not going to teach that. Or the black man that uh, fought in the Revolutionary War. All the pieces of history. You know, the fact that we had the monument to the 54th Massachusetts Regiment, that's the reason why four generations in my family were able to wear the uniform of this country because of what they stood up and did. The first black man to wear the uniform during the Civil War, their monument was defaced and destroyed in Boston, Massachusetts. Frederick Douglass, one of the great stories in America, his statue was torn down in Rochester, New York. So this whole cancel culture, this whole remaking of American history, to include even in Texas where we have people that say the Alamo is not a story of heroism, it's not a story of courage, it's a story of cowards. And so that's why it's so important we have an organization like Patriot Academy. That's why your podcast is so important because this moral relativism and what we're facing, the cultural Marxism, we got to defeat this and destroy this because those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And if you right. don't know your history, you don't know where you are. And if you don't know where you are, someone else is going to determine where you're going. And that's what this progressive socialist leftist movement in America is all about. I have a question, though, too, because the idea that you can do this at school, but what about the families who are not teaching their children biblical principles? The left has destroyed the family. You know that very well. I mean, I was born in 1961 in a blacks-only hospital in Atlanta. But in 1961, the two-parent household in the black community was almost 77% nationally. Mm -hmm. Today, it's only 24%. So you look at the policies of Lyndon Johnson from Texas and what he did with the Great Society programs. This has been a a long, slow march, the words of Chairman Mao 
to destroy the family, take over our fundamental institutions, take over the media, take over academia, take over our political systems, take over and infiltrate our religious institutions. And this is what we're fighting against. And I don't think it's too late, but the clock's ticking. Yeah, and I, I would say, too, it is, it is, there is a parental responsibility here. You cannot count on the schools to educate your children. Whether they're going public school, private school, you can still do something at home. You can still have that time with your kids. We, we do a lot of, uh, in terms of teaching parents how to raise patriots. How do you raise kids that love their country and want to preserve freedom and pass mm-hmm. that to the next generation? And even to the 1619 Project, the second week in our Biblical Citizenship eight-week course is all about that. It's a response to the 1619 Project, to CRT. It's bringing the truth. And, and just like the Colonel mentioned, Christmas, Addicts. When you really tell the story of the American Revolution, you actually start with a black patriot that was one of the first to die and start our revolution, and you end with James Armistead, a double agent, black double agent that we wouldn't have ended the war at Yorktown without him. Why is that history not taught to every right. black kid, white kid, I don't care what color skin, every American should know those stories because it brings us together to realize we're all in this together. We all have ownership in the American dream. That's what we do in biblical citizenship. Well, I mean, even it, people don't have to be a Christian to really understand the biblical pr- uh, principles. Right. And also well, the problem is, is that so many of them have sort of been this sort of warm bath water of sort of breathing, you don't breathe the air, but you don't breathe water, but I mean, the, of, of warm water climate, breathing the air of Christianity, really not understanding the fundamentals. One of the things I've been talking about is this case in Finland where the member of parliament is on, on trial for yes, quoting the Bible. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. For quoting the Bible. And, you know, we shouldn't be surprised. It really could happen here. That's right. Right? It could happen here. But one of the things that, that she said, the prosecutor was saying that it's okay to quote the Bible, just don't believe it. Wow. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And compared the Bible to Mein Kampf. Mm. Now, People here can laugh at that, but there have been cases in the last decade and a half where somebody's actually filed a lawsuit against a publisher of the Bible for hate speech because of what the Bible says about homosexuality. So these are the things that, you know, we are up against. So is there a process by which people can learn more about their faith? as well as their citizenship, and can you can you bifurcate the two? Do you have to keep those two together? Well, I think it's important to keep them together, especially when speaking to the faith community, so that's why that particular course does that. But I would also say to the non-Christian, there, there were great men like Benjamin Franklin, who was not a Christian. He believed mm-hmm. in God. He was no atheist, but he cer- and he certainly believed God was involved in our daily life. His famous speech at the Constitutional Convention that saved the day and kept everybody together was all about, we need to be calling on God. In, in my mm-hmm. country boy mm-hmm. language, he basically said, we aren't smart enough to do this on our own. We need the Father of <laughs> to illuminate our understanding. So there were a lot of guys like him that said, okay, I may not believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but I certainly believe his teachings create good culture. And so it was still important to him to have the Christian faith infused into the culture simply because then it created for a better society. There was less crime, there were less of the problems, and more of the uh, and more of the good stuff. So we actually even have versions of our Constitution class that are different from biblical citizenship. I have one called Constitutional Defense, and mm-hmm. it's actually more along the lines of it teaches the laws of nature and nature's God. And so it's taught more through the eyes of a Ben Franklin for that more non-faith community. Because every citizen, regardless of their faith, regardless of what their perspective is on that, if you want liberty, you've got to understand what produces liberty. And Washington said religion and morality are indispensable supports of political prosperity. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism that Mm -hmm. would work to subvert these great pillars. So you've got to teach them at some point, even if they don't believe the same, they still got to understand why they're important to the culture overall. Now, I'm going to ask you two questions. The first one is, what is the biggest mistake people make about the Constitution? Hmm. 
You know, the, the biggest error that they make about the Constitution. What is it? So many to choose from. What, yeah. what comes to mind? <laughs> well, I would go back to this guy, uh, Ely Mistal, I believe is his name. And he just put out a book said, Allow Me to Retort a Black Man's, a Black Guy's Guide to the Constitution. And he was on The View last week. And he said the Constitution is trash. Hmm. And uh, yeah. Whoa. And, and so here's a guy on a mainstream network show and saying that our Constitution is trash. Why? Because, you know, the people that wrote it were white males and they were quote-unquote slavers. So I think that the mistake that we make is that we try to put people in a modern-day, you know, box and saying that they were not virtuous, they could not be moral because of what was going on at that time. But when you look at the Constitution, it is an immutable document. It is not a living document. It's a foundational document. It's the document that has given us the longest-running constitutional republic that the world has ever known. And so I think that when you have people that think that you can just trash it and get rid of it, and as I said, you know, I'm a black man, and four generations of black men in my family took an oath to support and defend that constitution. We're willing to make the last full measure of devotion for it. So I think that that is the biggest problem that we have in that people are just openly, you know, disregarding, disparaging it uh, to include our, our, uh, our president right now. We're not protecting our borders. There are 18 things in Article 1, Section 8 that the federal government has jurisdiction responsibilities of. Everything else is reserved to the states and to the people. But we're failing to understand that. Are, are you going to run for president, by the way, again? Because I want. Yeah. I, I'm just <laughs> hanging out with Rick and you. I'm hanging out with the Greens. Yes, we have an for announcement you. today. Uh, Alan, <laughs> you can make it here because, you know, you know it, that'd be great. Yeah, but. I, but Most women think that they speak to God. So when, <laughs> when God tells you, then you can tell me. <laughs> Um, but I also but this, the um, what were we talking about the uh, the, you know, the whole idea of what is the constitutional problem people yeah. have now Rick tell me what your biggest question you have conflict people have about the Constitution and the biggest mistake they have yeah I, just to uh, add on to what Alan was saying I, I do think one of the biggest problems is people dismiss it because they don't understand the context I've been studying the founders for thirty years I found out something that really shocked me the founding fathers of America were human. <laughs> they made mistakes, just like us. Good. Some of them were, you know, they did evil things. They did, they were sinners. They did evil things, just like right. us, just right. like you, just like me, right? And so I think that we make a mistake to deify them. or think, Somehow God used these flawed men at, at a unique time in history to put these principles in place and, that, and then bless the world through the greatest, most powerful, most peaceful, most benevolent nation in the history of the world. I think the, 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 to your question, though, I think the real problem we've got at this point, the reason the Constitution is so ignored is, we have essentially offloaded our citizen responsibility to Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. and we have let the Supreme Court amend the Constitution on their own with no constitutional authority to do that. They just do it. Our Congress or the president, they just keep expanding the federal government, keep expanding the role of government, because we don't know the limitations that Alan just mentioned in the Constitution. So if we knew those jurisdictions, if we knew what the proper role of government was, then we would prevent them from doing all these additional things mm -hmm. that they've decided to do. So I would say this is the one misnomer out there, the least understood thing. We don't live under the Constitution right now. We live under the Constitution. We live under this wow. court-created document that began as a Constitution, but now it's, I mean, if, if people could see me, it's like a 15-inch pile of phrases and things that these judges have done. I, I have a picture where I show them in their black robes around the kettle like witches, throwing a phrase in here and a phrase in there, and the witch's brew is the Constitution. So we need to eventually overrule that Constitution, come back to the original intent that Alan was talking about, and allow the states to once again be free and define freedom in their individual states. And you can only do that if you get the federal government out of being a national government and back to being an actual federal government. A couple of things I wanted to talk about, but this 
but right now it's the it's the one thing that I get all the time in what I cover, which is the separation of church and state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we always talk about this and what it actually means, what Jefferson actually said, because the separation of church and state is not actually in, in the That's Constitution right. Mm-hmm. or in mm-hmm. the amendments. Mm-hmm. No. So what do you tell people when they say, oh, it's a separation of church and state that someone can't pray on uh, a football field or pray with their team members or pray at a civics meeting or what does it mean? Well, I'll tell you, it's sad that we've got 3,000 times in federal decisions quoting separation of church and state from Thomas Jefferson's letter. So this is a letter of one founding father in, a, in, a, in an act of, of communication with an organization, not a law, not a not anything passed by Congress or any of those things. And we rarely, if ever, actually quote the actual First Amendment itself. And so most people actually think it is in the First Amendment because it's been so associated to the First Amendment. But Jefferson himself, even when he wrote that letter, two days later he attended church at the United States Capitol on federal property where church services had been started by him to go hear his friend uh, um, uh, from uh, from Virginia preach, and you're going, wait a minute, well, if he believed in separation of church and state the way that they've interpreted it to mean today, then he violated it by going to church on federal property. So wow. clearly he meant something totally different, and he talked about it being a one-way wall, that the state could not come in and manage the church or dictate to the church what you believe, shut down churches mm-hmm. during COVID. Uh, in New York, they wanted to find for you what your religion is and whether or not it actually would allow you to exempt out from the vaccine. I mean, that's exactly what he didn't right. want was the church right. defining uh, or the state defining church. On the other hand, we as people of faith in the church absolutely have every right to go across that wall into the state and influence the state because for us, faith is just what we believe about everything. Uh, Charles Finney said in the Second Great Awakening, in a country such as this, well, our religion and, and our government is just part of our religion. You just live out your faith in every area of life, including your government and how you form your society. So separation of church and state has been completely distorted. Mm-hmm. Uh, our friend David Barton has a whole book on this called Original Intent, where he really breaks down that history. And he really busted that myth of separation of church and state 20 years ago, where more and more people today really understand it, uh, but but it's been completely distorted from But what the problem is, is that more and more legal cases are being made on the basis of that today, yep. and more and more courts are more than willing to take on the cases. And uh, Carol, how do you stop that? How do you show people and help people understand that when somebody raises that issue, yeah. church and state, as their defense, as their accusation against you, what do you do? Well, I think you go back to what got this whole discussion started. That was King Henry VIII. When King Henry VIII wanted to have a divorce from his wife and went to the Catholic Church, they said no. And so King Henry decided, as head of state, he created his own church, and it was the Church of England. And so, therefore, his ideological agenda became his religion. And that is what we did not want to have happen in the United States of America. That's why we had that separation of church and state. But what is happening in the United States of America now, the true violation of separation of church and state is the progressive socialist left is making their ideological agenda religion. Uh, Mm. And if you don't believe in climate change, if you don't believe in same-sex marriage, if you don't believe in this gender dysphoria, this transgenderism, then you're persecuted and prosecuted. So that is where we need to, you know, take it back to understand that we now have a government that has created uh, uh, their religion based upon an ideological agenda, and they're molding the two together. And you cannot have courts because Article 3 of the Constitution, courts are not supposed to make law. They're supposed to interpret law. But yet, what do you see happen? 1970, Roe versus Wade. That Mm -hmm. was a court decision, not a law. But you look at the Obergefell versus Hodges case, same-sex marriage. That was a court decision, not a law. 
And so it comes back to, again, understanding civics and understanding history, which we don't do a good job of teaching. So if a, if a coach, like the Coach Kennedy case, yeah. wants to pray with his, with, his, uh, with his team, that is not a violation of separation of church and state. As a matter of fact, when I was a kid playing high school football, before every high school football game in Atlanta, we had a local pastor that would deliver a prayer. Yeah, right. uh, before that game to protect us out on the field. That was not, uh, you know, a violation of the Establishment Clause. Yeah, we prayed before every game with our coach. We did the Lord's Prayer. Now, that was baseball. We played a real sport when I was in <laughs> high school. But, yeah. Here we go. Uh-huh. Here we go. Yeah, I mean, that was the way of life, right, that was in America, the way of life. up until this separation of church and state became right. you know, the, the, the nomenclature that everybody bought into, and it, and it changed mm-hmm. dramatically. And it's removed God from our entire education yes. system. So now instead of teaching kids to recognize, hey, don't kill, don't steal, I mean, the Ten Commandments, the Supreme Court said in Stone v. Graham, having the Ten Commandments on the wall, based on what you're talking about, separation of right. church and state, what was dangerous, that it couldn't be, you know, that you couldn't have that in a school. Well, look at what's happened. I mean, people want to blame the guns. The truth is we took out right and wrong. Mm-hmm. We basically said to kids, do what whatever feels good, do whatever's right in your own eyes, there is no right and wrong, and that's naturally going to create chaos in the in the culture. But I will say this, and maybe it'll be controversial, but try that with the Quran. Mm. Yeah. Okay, when you have kids that are being taken to mosques to learn more about Islam, try that with Christianity. I mean, why do we have this, this you can do it for this religion or faith, but you can't do it for the faith that created the fundamentals of our great nation. Uh, you know, I don't think you will see anybody in Finland being, uh, you know, demonized because they're going out and talking about the Koran. As a matter of fact, if you speak out against the Koran and some of the principles and the verses thereof, then you find yourself right. being arrested. So uh, I'm very concerned about there is not, to use the word of the left, an equity and how we look at these, you know, religious systems because I've been to some Muslim countries and I've studied the Quran and I've studied Islam and there's some very uh, dangerous precepts and concepts in there that we're allowing to infiltrate. The Council for American Islamic Relations has an office right there on Capitol Hill and the Council for American Islamic Relations is an unindicted co-conspirator in the largest Islamic terrorism financing case in the United States of America. But yet, if a Christian organization tried to have an, uh, an office right there on Capitol Hill, I think that you'd see people come out with a different uh, judgment and perspective. You know? Wow, wow. Um, I, I have uh, run out of time, but actually I wanted to ask you, Colonel, one last question about sort of the black community and the fact that now, what, what a change yeah. in that, you know, more than 70% of black children are born out of wedlock and they make up, what, what 13, 14% of the population, but yes. account for 40, more than 40% of the abortions, Yes. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement, and the yes. fact that the government actually usurped the power of the family in the 1970s yes. by becoming the father image for millions of black children. They replaced that which kept the black community so strong and cohesive through some dark periods, and that was a strong black man in the, in, in the family. They, they removed that. And there's a church in South Dallas that has a Black Lives Matter banner that flies on the side of the church. And I just wonder, what does an organization founded by two about Marxists, and if you understand the, the concepts and, and the writings of Karl Marx, what does that have to do with the black church? And that, again, talks about this cultural Marxist in, infiltration into the black church, and uh, that's a big concern that I have. Well, again, um, you've got my vote. Um, I just want you to know that. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. Just in case, and just in case. And if you do decide, you know, to run, 
you should tell me first. <laughs> All right. I'll be running tomorrow morning, probably about four or five miles. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, Colonel, uh, Colonel Alan West, Rick Green, thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. This has been a really wonderful opportunity, and I'm sure we will be spiking with you more as we get closer to the midterms. You know, Absolutely. we really need people to be well aware of what the Constitution says um, and really choose your candidates well. Yes. Yeah. You know, and support the ones that you believe are going to actually move forward in the sort of the constitutional foundation of this and country. And righteous governance. And righteous governance, yes, absolutely. And you have to study the document itself and study freedom to know who to vote for because you need a plumb line. You need something to measure it against. Absolutely. And so that's why this is so important. Thank you for having us, Lauren. Really thank you, Lauren. thank you. And also, uh, everyone, thank you for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.